0: Hi, welcome to By Being, Be Right Back podcast. I'm Giona. I am Ava. And we know each other from way back when, when we were in our early threes up to the thirteens and now in our almost thirties. We both have been living in the Netherlands for almost 10 years and we both have been missing the conversation of what it means to be Caribbean in the Netherlands. We too deserve representation within the community we live in, and we have responsibility to also give space for those who have this need to feel represented. These conversations are a good start at that, but certainly not the last step. For us, it's the by culture that struck a chord. As Caribbean migrants, we have a strong legacy of coming and going, making a home everywhere seeking for familiarity within the community we constantly place ourselves in. But still, we find ourselves coming back to our roots, to our home, and realize that coming from the Caribbean is a meaning that is an ongoing process. We tried to find the closest translation to by being, and we agreed that Be Right Back was the best choice. In this podcast, we go on a journey with different guests to find out what this means for them, while also looking at the different experiences within migrating back and forth from this area.
1: It's a podcast on the culture of being from and going back and forth to the Caribbean. Both Guiana and I are from Aruba. Both our experiences are with coming and going, back and forth, as it has given us the privilege to not only have a home in Aruba, but also being able to build a home in the Netherlands. However, our experiences with the whole situation is very complex. And so we find it important and essential to learn from our other Caribbean islands what their experience was. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the sixth episode of the Be Right Back by Being podcast.
0: Like you already mentioned in the intro, I am Fiona. And I am Ava. And today we are talking to our guests, Maxi Hill
1: and Kenny Wout. On our sixth episode, In Between Worlds. Are we going back?
0: Yes. So, in this episode, we focus on the question or the statement of living in between or going back and what that means for us. What factors play a role for us in deciding to go back or live in the in between? Who or what is important in making these decisions? If we choose to stay away from the so called back home, living on our terms, what responsibilities do we feel in taking care or giving back to home in different ways? How heavy does that weigh in the decisions of our day-to-day lives? Okay, so at this point in my life, I explicitly
1: choose to live the in-between life for now. And how much longer I will continue to do this, I don't know yet. But I choose to continue this culture and way of living for different reasons. And the biggest reason of all is because here in the Netherlands, I'm worked or I am working to my fullest potential. So I would say that for me, the biggest change that would have to take place back home for me to be able to settle back down there would be the work infrastructure. Um, On the other side of that coin, of course, is then the factor that I would also... Uh, be choosing to stay here and work in a capitalist country. But at the same time, I feel like I'm also working for Aruba in a way. Every project and every creative or artistic goal that I set is really 99% set for Aruba. So taking care of my community, but also the dance community there is one of my biggest driving points, even though I live here and I work from here. Um, With that, I try to surround myself with people who have... More or less the same mentality like Giona herself, for example. Um, also, I try to go home as much as possible every holiday. You try, even though it's very much impossible to do that, but uh, you still do it. And afterwards, you have a lot of other factors that play, uh, play a role in how you get on financially and the sacrifices that you make within that. Um, so I would say it's the responsibility that I feel of taking care of those I love. Is very high. Uh, with that comes a lot of pressure as well. Of course, um, it is true that if I decide to go settle back home on Aruba, that a lot of the factors that I just mentioned will not play a role anymore in how I choose to live my life here. But another truth is, is that when I go home, the factors that will play a role in how I choose to live my life there might not be enough to keep me there. So. Um, I feel like, I think I've said it in one of our previous episodes, you know, when you leave home, you make sacrifices, but when you go back there, you also make sacrifices. So there are sacrifices within sacrifices. And then it brings a lot of questions like, is it because I'm just used to living here and just having my own life here and my own routines? Am I spoiled? Those are also questions that I really ask myself. Am I really staying here because I don't want to feel like I'm lacking or that I'm not living my fullest life or my fullest potential. So I'd say a lot of the questions that you just asked just raised a lot of questions and more questions and more questions. So, but I do continue to live this this lifestyle and yeah, for for specific reasons, for sure.
0: Thank you, Ava. Yeah, um, when we were prepping for this conversation, I think a lot of things already came up for us, especially because we've already done Uh, in at this point five episodes before this one already and it's been a long journey uh, internally personally for us as co-hosts as friends but as people in our own communities and it's funny because we we thought about our answers separately but I think our answers are very similar um, because I, I wrote down for myself that honestly I am sort of still in this place where I'm constantly deciding what the best, best move is. Um, up until now, I've been at this transient point, which is kind of a, an anomaly, like transient being constantly on the move and um, going back and forth. And um, using knowledge that I have gained here in the Netherlands to focus on catering to the movers and shakers back home, which is for me, Aruba... And connecting them to different resources uh, here in the Netherlands, and that being a very big factor of why I go up and up and near, like they say in Dutch, uh, coming and going back and forth uh, so much. Not just to see my family and connect with them, but also to open up that how how could I say it that colonial wall that I cannot tear down by myself, but I am a point in that ecosystem that has um, to has, has a way of connecting to resources here in the Netherlands that could be used by movers and shakers and artists and people uh, in Aruba for in, in my eyes. Um, So in that sense, that is why I am constantly thinking, okay, indeed, like if I do go back and live in Aruba, uh, I thought about it last year a lot. Um, What am I losing? And um, for me, it's mostly, in a sense, that proximity away from people who are close to me there who don't understand the life I've built here and the ways of living um, that I've built where I feel comfortable in things that are maybe taboo back home um, or people who are just caught up in a different type of life that I Am living right now and here I take care of myself by surrounding myself with people that I trust and that I can exchange also memories remnants of back home in another time frame like uh, from a few years ago things that we all shared like the memories or experiences or our language as well talking Papiamento for me as a way uh, to connect with my innermost self I would say and it's actually actually a constant negotiation every day in my life and uh, the in-between is something that I've gotten used to but it's a constant negotiation of going back and forth in my mind um, when I code switch as well when I work here but also needing to code switch when I'm in Aruba because I have been living for a longer time here in the Netherlands so This is the answer for me at this moment, but that can also change. (laughs) Um, And moving forward, uh, we also want to mention that these conversations are coming as much as possible from a critical point of view, and that we are also very aware that we are executing these conversations within some institutional context. um, And we also want to clarify that they are not a definite, these are not definite conversations. It's an open conversation where we share our thoughts and experiences, where we find similarities, but we also find differences and where we can address these, maybe not always in that sense together, but we can address these because we're not a monolith group of Caribbean people. Um, And before we get to our beautiful guests, uh, we also want to, Um, give some context to the sixth episode already which is I kind of feel gloomy talking about it because it's the last episode for this season Um, and it went by so fast and um, I kind of started this idea of the podcast um, before I asked Ava actually thinking about wanting to talk about this for a long time of this experience in a more Public setting instead of only with my friends or only with my family, um, where you the the previous episodes kind of move forward to this last one. Like, okay, what do we do? Do we what is moving forward? Do we go back? Um, is that the context for this episode? Is that at a certain point in life when you are pretty much settled in a life to a certain degree, or you have a job, you have an income, you you have a craft where what you're good at. You have a certain level of comfort and a sort of financial safety net, maybe. You you start to think of the next steps in your life. Do you go back home, like we asked? Do you feel like you need to? Uh, What are the reasons behind that? Uh, What are the reasons or the factors that you feel like you can or cannot? The life of the in between actually gets more amplified at this step, you could say, in time where there is sometimes more pressure. To think about these types of questions of needing to root somewhere when you kind of reach that destination, where for a lot of ABC SSS people, in that sense, it's um it's about uh studying. But obviously, there are more factors to moving to Europe or the Netherlands from the Caribbean at large. Because either way, you are saying goodbye to a certain experience, whether you're staying here or going. Um, and that's what it is in that point in time for now. I believe
1: when you start working and you have rooted yourself more or less here in the Netherlands, there comes a lot of other processes that aren't touched upon often. So while we navigate and eventually find, um, what we are constantly in search of when we talk about a proper workplace, um, a good place to live and having found new routines. We also let go of all things that we brought with us when we first moved here. And that's very different in everybody's case today, of course. Um, there comes plenty of mourning in growing up that we truly do not consciously stop to think how much we have actually physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually changed completely 360 degrees so much that we start to ask ourselves if the person who we are today still feels the same towards the place where we were born and raised and at this point I believe we are a very critical generation so this is really very much a consequence of having of having moved abroad and having a new life and new experiences Um, when you live in the country that once actually colonized your own home, um, your perception of home and your responsibility shift into a completely different dimension. Um, and we would like to touch upon that today. So together with our guests, Maxi and Kenny, we dive into what this means for them with the following questions. But before we get to that, of course, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Maybe Maxi would like to go first. Would you like to introduce yourselves to the audience of today?
2: Yes, hello. My name is Maxi Hill and uh, I'm from Jamaica. I was born in Jamaica. Um, I'm 57 years old. I'm a teacher, a dancer, a choreographer. And I've been living in the Netherlands now for, um, I think, roughly 33 years. So a very long time. (laughs) Um, I have actually been away from Jamaica for much longer. I left when I was five, five and a half years old. Um, Parents emigrated to England. They were part of the Windrush generation. Um, So this is a very, very, yes, I've been away for a long time, (laughs) even though I try to visit, um, touch base on my country as often as I can, every year, every other year, let's say. Yes, each time I go back, I it's I am confronted with the fact that I've been away for a long time and uh, how much of the Jamaican is still in me. Of course, I always still feel by heart I'm a Jamaican, but when you hear my accent, for example, people are confused. They're not quite sure where this accent is from. Um, so... I think it's quite, when I see everyone here, I hear everyone here tonight, Uh, you're from a different generation. I think you're young enough to be my daughter or son. (laughs) And uh, yeah, the time spent away from home is bigger. Um, And how that has an effect on us, myself and you guys, I'm sure it's very, very different. um, As I say, I've been away for a long time. But yes, I try in many ways to still stay connected. And deep in my heart, I'm still a true Jamaican. (laughs) That will never go away. I'm a Jamaican.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Maxi. Kenny, would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Yes. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm 24 years old. I'm from the beautiful island of Bonaire, and I've currently been living in the Netherlands for about six years now. I'm currently a media and culture student, and on the side, I work as a social media manager, and I also do photography. Um, I actually work for this podcast as well, Um, so that's kind of pretty cool. It means that I know the host pretty well pretty familiar with them um and yeah just um I think my experience moving from Bonaire coming to Holland is um a very interesting one because I never really saw Holland as like my final stop it was supposed to be kind of like the springboard by me coming here and then like going to like a bigger city or like another place um but obviously life had other plans for me um and I'm still here and um especially in these last few years I started to kind of plant roots in the Netherlands which I never really expected to happen and that kind of um shifted my whole plan that I saw for myself for my future um and now it's kind of like I almost kind of feel lost or pulled into very different directions like I kind of want to stay here I kind of want to go to a different city but I also kind of want to go back home so like it's kind of I'm at crossroads right now and um yeah that I guess I suppose is my experience and how I experience like the this idea of moving away from home or where I'm at now
1: Thank you, Kenny. Anyway, thank you both so much. Um, I I can relate to both your stories, actually, and I'm sure Guiana can too. Maxi, when you say that every time you go home that you realize that you've been away. Yeah. I mean, of course, with us, it's totally different because we come from different homes, but the I've been away factor. Absolutely. And with Kenny, of course um when you said that you didn't see holland as your final stop i also think in, indeed that is something a question that i hear so often especially between our own peers that you ask yourself like okay i'm here i did the thing and where to now um what are the next goals so i'm very excited actually for this conversation so i hope you guys are ready because we're about to hit the first question which is what part of yourself do you mourn the most? What's the thing or what are the things that you brought to the Netherlands that with time you detach yourself from because you have found your place here in the Netherlands eventually. Maxi, would you like to go first? Yes, I'm thinking of this question. <laughs> Which part of myself
2: do I mourn the most? And um as I say, I've be- I've been away for a long time. And um I wouldn't necessarily use the word mourn um, because I'm so used to being away from from Jamaica. Um, I would say more miss. Um, I've often asked myself the question: What kind of person would I be if I had stayed in Jamaica? Um, Would it be the same Maxi? the way she thinks, the way she dresses, the way she talks, her uh, norms and values? Would would it be the same? Because um, when I left Jamaica, we first went to England and then from England, I did my school education. And then from there, I moved to Germany. (laughs) So it was another culture that I um, encountered and um, adapted in some ways. Then I went back to England. And then from England, I came to Netherlands. So I've been moving around. And in every place that I have stayed in or lived in, um, I have adapted certain behaviors or taken bits and pieces from that culture. And which is has inevitably made me who I am. As I say before, deep down, I, I still feel a Jamaican. But um, there are some things in the German culture that I recognise, or um, especially in the Dutch culture, being here for so long. Um, and sometimes I, when I speak with uh, Dutch friends here, um, who talk about their their history and um, friendships that they still have from uh, school, um, the the. I do say the um, celebrations that they have, the traditions that they have. You know, I kind of miss that. You know, not having that in in you know living in Jamaica. I miss um, living in a country that is where I was born, from my roots, and I and 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 um, having grown with the history, grown with the developments of that country. Because each time I go back to Jamaica, it's as I say, every year or every two years, I notice a change. It's a change in the in the language, for example. Jesus, I missed up, missed, missed this, you know. Um, so it's it's more the missing of um, or the um, the question that I have for myself: Who, what kind of person would I be if I never left Jamaica and stayed in Jamaica? Would I still be an artist? Um, because in Jamaica, that's it's almost a privilege to be an artist and uh, earn a living from your art. Um, and there's certain freedoms I have in the West that I, uh, outside of Jamaica, that it's, um, yeah, it's very, very different. Um, so I do, I have these questions and sometimes I miss miss that because I no matter where I have lived, I will always feel like a foreigner. And sometimes I wish that I didn't have that feeling. And when I'm in Jamaica and I'm there and I hear all the Jamaicans around me, and I'm like, yes, man, I'm a Jamaican too. I'm part of it. Yes, man, I'm from here. Yes, the sea is mine. This is mine. <laughs> you know, I own it, you know? Yes, I understand it. And... um Yeah, I think it's more that, but uh, yeah, the missing. Um, I wouldn't a mourning for me. It's quite a heavy word, you know. Um, My 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 dear brother who lived in uh, lived in Jamaica. He never left Jamaica, um, only to study in in America. I was very close with him, and he died two years ago. I mourn that. I mourn the fact that I wasn't able to. He bought up with my brother and got to know him more. And uh, yeah, so I'm still mourning the loss of not um, having spent enough time together in our own country. Uh, And also mourning the loss of relatives in Jamaica that has passed on that I haven't seen for so long Um, and never will get the chance to see again. I, I have a, I have a, um, an auntie in Jamaica that I look after. She's 87 years old. Sister T is her name, like a mother to me. And corona has come past. Corona is here. I haven't been able to go back since uh, um, the COVID crisis. And I'm hoping that she's still alive, you know, when I do eventually get a chance to go back next year, hopefully. Um, yeah, so the morning, I can put it in that context. Um, what was the other part of the question? Um,
1: maybe you can remind me. (laughs) Honestly, you answered that very crystal clear. Um, honestly, I have to think about everything you just said because it's quite impactful. Um, and I kind of actually want to ask you a little sub question if you don't mind, um because you talk about um who you would be you know if you had stayed imagine that you have and you see the person you are today what would you say to that person like are you proud of the person you are today with all of the influences that you've had or would you still be like hmm no i'm i still possibly choose because you also you do miss things so then i ask myself like you know how does that relate a little bit at the moment
2: Yes, I'm very proud of who I am today and um, the, the freedom and the experiences I've been able to gain, you know, living outside of Jamaica and um, the experiences, experiences that I've um, achieved through my work. I've been able to travel. Um, I've been to over 20 countries. No, 25, in fact. Um, I've experienced different cultures. I've learned from different cultures and that, that has um, made me um, give me a diverse amount of knowledge. And I think if I'd stayed in Jamaica, I don't know whether that would have been possible. Um, uh, so in that sense, yeah, who I am today, I'm very grateful for. Um, and in one way, I'm also thankful, you know, that (laughs) I did leave Jamaica. So I'm able to, yeah, gain all the experience, the worldly experience that I could gain now and live the life in, in the art world um, and the freedom yeah, that I have living here. Um, I can come back at night at 12 o'clock in the evening and wouldn't be concerned about my safety. And in Jamaica, that's another thing. You know, there's a whole other, <laughs> whole other um, topic to, to, to talk about, um, the safety. Um, of jamaica so my freedom i appreciate very much
1: thank you maxi that was that was brilliant um i'm gonna go to kenny kenny the same questions for you question actually (laughs) what part of yourself do you mourn or in this case maybe also miss the most what's the thing or what are the things that you brought to the netherlands that with time you detach yourself because of having to have found your place here.
3: Yeah. So when you guys mailed me this question, I thought a lot about it. Um, because I found it such a difficult answer question for me to answer. Um, just because, like I already mentioned, like I came with the idea to Holland, um, that I wasn't going to settle in here. Like, I wasn't going to, like, you know, integrate myself. And um, I kind of stuck to that. So I made, like, very conscious decisions to not, like, involve myself with Dutch people. Um, most but my study is an international study. Um, most of my friends were people from still back home. And so I kind of left the island, but, like, at the same time, I never really did. Um, I guess mentally because of that. But the other thing, the other side of that coin is that um, like Maxi was mentioning, like obviously you leave and the island keeps like developing. Um, so it never really stays this thing. Um, so like and living in this parallel life when you go back, um, suddenly you're like, Wait, was that building always that faded? Was this street always like that? Like and like it's like kind of battling your memory of, of how you remember the island to be. And so in that way, I still kind of left behind an island that I'll never be able to go back to just because it doesn't exist anymore. And I guess um, that is what I mourn the most is like the memory of the island that I left behind in the moment that I left it behind because you can never really go back there. And um, yeah, I lost my train of thought here. But in that as well, um, I'm completely blacking out. Sorry, guys. Um, it's okay. Take your time. Um,
0: you were talking about the memory and uh, yeah. mourning the memory, actually.
3: Yeah. So, like, mourning that memory, um, Like, you still want to kind of go back and visit that place, but you can't. Um, And I still feel it makes you feel stuck in a certain sense. And I think that's probably what I miss the most is, yeah, the island that I left behind. Even though I still kind of go back and forth to it, I can never really officially go back. I think that's my my answer.
0: I think, yeah, thanks, Kenny. I think um, we actually had a second question, but I think both of you kind of answered them both already. So we kind of wanted to get more into a conversation, especially as well as what Kenny said, really um, made something verbally very clear to me because it's something that making this podcast with Ava and all of, The people that we had as guests—that is exactly because I'm a historian from like that's what I studied. I I studied history, but I didn't really want to archive per se the memories. But I I have been trying to 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 kind of plunder through what those feelings were, and it's actually what you say, Kenny. For me personally, it's like I with every step that I take and every day that I'm here because I've been living here for ten years. Um. I, I do mourn the, the, the memories that I don't get to have as Maxi actually kind of touched upon with the people there and people who die as well, which is a lot in my family uh, the past few years, but also like the memories that I don't get to make with my parents, for example, who are, who are still here but live there. Um, and it's, it's kind of like also doing this podcast and being now at the sixth episode I'm like I I think I've been running and trying to stretch time as weird as that sounds because I know what it's like for 10 years now um constantly n- negotiating how I negotiate time with missing memories and missing people and missing making things making memories with them and the infrastructure back home also changes and that means sometimes memories not get erased from my mind, but it's not there in literal blocks anymore. And I don't have an external um, fundament literally to kind of show like or remind myself like, hey, this is where that happened or this, this wasn't there, um, uh, you know. And yeah, I think the the mourning actually for me or the grieving is something that is intertwined with all of the work that I do. I think the work that I do is a way of dealing or coping with my grieving process of living that in-between life and that constant negotiation. So, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say from my part. Ava, I don't know if you want to share. I mean, I think it's so interesting to hear everybody's point of view
1: right now, because I feel like indeed a lot of times it's a negotiation between nostalgia and living living your life to the fullest as much as you can, you know, travel as much as you can, learn as much as you can, um, you know, events, community events, as much as you can, all of that. But, and you know, the funny thing is, I swear to God, every time I go home, I have I need to talk to certain family members about certain things that have happened just to make sure I have the details right because I don't want to forget, you know, because every time I go, I feel like, oh, was that that cousin or was it the other cousin or was it that uncle? And I mean, I'm a Cruz. So you, I can I can tell you that from experience on Aruba, Cruz is a big family. So you, you really want to keep things aligned because you get older and I mean, I'm not super old. I'm 29. Yeah. I'm still, I have my memory very well intact, but in a couple of years I won't. And I noticed it a lot with some family members that like, you know, my mom gets older. I see, I see my aunt getting older. My uncles, they got gray hair and it's not even gray hair. Like, you know, they painted it gray hair by choice. They leave it gray. Cause they're like, yeah, girl, we're entering, you know, our seventies. Like what you think? And I'm just like seventies you know, a couple of years ago, you were still so, you know, uh, different and you looked different. And I feel like every time you go home, it's really a battle between nostalgia and where we're going, you know, and making sure that you, that when you leave, that everything is okay, that you're like, okay, so these are the memories I'm taking. Please don't change because I don't know if I can handle that the next time I come back. And then every time you come back, it's like, okay, I've been away, you know, like Maxi says. So it, it, for me, it's a constant battle between living
0: and, you know, doing doing you and nostalgia. But then I have a question, uh, like also taking time into consideration now, but like like that, um, I think we're all aligned in that sense isn't what I hear from the four of us. But how do all of you, so Ava, Maxie, and Kenny, how do all of you deal with sort of not FOMO as in fear of missing out, as um from you know but fomo as in more of the context of like knowing that you don't maybe always get to experience as much as you want to with the people there or indeed the memories that get kind of reshuffled in your head how do you how do you deal with it for yourself when you're there um do you do you have space to like fully really be there or are you kind of focusing in the future of when you go back to the Netherlands, you know, how is that for you when you're on the island? How does that feel to really be present? And can you feel present or is it like this battle with time as well when you're there?
2: No, maybe I can answer that. You know, every time I go back, you know, when I go back to Jamaica, it's not, it's for family. It's not. And I try to sneak in the, the, the tourist <laughs> uh, part, you know, seeing bits of Jamaica that I've, you know, I'd love to see. Uh, Jamaica is a beautiful island, um, but it's predominantly for the family. And I savor every minute. <laughs> I'm not even thinking of Holland, you know, and I know that I'm here for, usually when I go, I stay for a month. You know, I go in the summer, summer uh, season because of the school vacations. Um, So I can, I have time to land, to be, to feel, to sense, to appreciate all the details. It's like I'm just soaking up everything, even even to the dogs barking at night, (laughs) you know? And I found myself loving the sounds of them (laughs) and trying to figure out which dog is barking to which dog and where that barking is coming from. And that, you know, that barking sound sends me to sleep. It's soothing. When a dog barks here in Holland, shut up. (laughs) But when a dog barks in Jamaica, it's a sound that I'm so familiar with. And it's, it's yes, nostalgic feeling. It brings back memories of my childhood. And I just lap up every moment. You know, it's just every day. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just, I'm very present. I'm really in the now, you know, uh, mindfulness. Because I, I I appreciate this time. And I know that it's going to be another year or another two years before I return again. I know that I will never go back to Jamaica to live. For many reasons, I've made a life here in Netherlands. I have a son who's 20 years old. This this is for now my home. Um I build a life, I build a career, you know, I'm not gonna give that up so easily. And it will be a fool to give it up and go back (laughs) and to start all over again at my age. No. Um so the moments I'm in Jamaica, I man, love it, love it, love it, love it. (laughs)
0: Thank you, Maxi. Um, I'm also Kenny. Do you want to answer that question? How that is for you?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, um, like Maxi said, like I'm also very much a person that when I go back, I kind of live in the now. Um, like I said earlier about the memories and stuff, as well. I think in the first few days, it can be quite jarring and kind of like. Um, I'm grieving a little bit but then once I get over that it um becomes very, very familiar again and it becomes it feels like home um, and I kind of fall into the same old routines. I kind of fall into like almost the person I was before I came to Holland. Like I become more carefree. I become um, yeah more just carefree and like doing stuff constantly and kind of like exploring the island um and just getting reacquainted with like this new version of the place which I find beautiful each and every time because like it does mean that every time I go back I get to like fall in love all over again with the island and that's super nice um and yeah just like I'm savoring every minute like eating all my favorite foods seeing all the people that I don't get to see, I'm um, going to all the places I don't get to go, um, swimming, like just filling myself as much as possible with these experiences that I usually don't really get to have. And so that I can um, just recharge and re energize and kind of like remember where I'm from, remember where I'm going, and remember where I'm at in the moment as well. And just, just being very present, because I feel like um, in Holland, you almost sometimes have to think like three days ahead, like, because everything is just so fast. So you're like constantly like thinking about, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do next week? What am I going to do um in the month after that? But like when you're on the island again, it just feels like you don't have any of that. You can just like really be in the present in the moment and just go with the flow, go with the energy, go with whatever you want to do at the, at that moment. And I find that um, so beautiful, and yeah, I think that's how I experienced the uh, going back. Oh. Uh,
1: <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> to answer your question, Guiana. I think for me, I'm a person who works a lot. I've recently been called a workaholic, so I have that title now set on my forehead, but it's okay. Um when I'm at home, it takes me a couple of days to settle down. And then I miss everything that I have here. I'm happy to be there. But I notice, I can I can definitely tell when I've been away in the sense that I have my own way of living. So does my mom. I have my own routine. So does my mom. <laughs> you know, so we clash very much. Um, she'll kill me when she hears this. But and, and it's not even about her. It's just legit two homes coming together and just different ways of living. And eventually we, we flow. And when we flow, then I really want to just be Rubiano. You know, I really want to wear the clothes, wear them slippers, eat them seafood, drive in that pickup, off-roading, going to the beach every single day, being in my you know just just being and that island vibe that that easy relaxed lifestyle eventually starts to warm up to me again and I fall in love with it every single time as Kenny says it's just there's nothing like it but then comes that other part which is the reality (laughs) the reality kicks in and uh, eventually when I know that I have to leave then I become a little bit like distant. I already I already start to miss a move and I already want to be like, okay, can we just skip this entire part and just be be in Holland already? Please, I don't want to, I don't need to cry. I don't need to tell people that I love them and I miss them, but I have to do it anyway because I do love them and I do miss them. Um, and everything else in between the trees, the the smell of the ocean, the winds, the wind chimes at my aunt's house, the sound of dogs. Wow. Can I relate to that Moxie? Oh my God. The sound of dogs is just an anthem to me that I miss every single day. Cause you know, uh, it's just so different here. And it's like, I say, it's possibly a battle between, um, nostalgia, even when you're home and then leaving and being in the present and still feeling, feeling nostalgic, but happy, you know, recharged and ready to hit whatever work, in my case, whatever work is uh, waiting for me. But but it, 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 it's a beautiful, it, it's like a beautiful, uh, yeah, beautiful battle constantly, to be honest. So that's my take on it. Welcome to the second segment called Treasures We Keep, where we talk with our guests on the things they bring to the table related to home, be it a picture, sound, song, poem, aka treasure. But um, we're going to head on to the second segment, you guys. (laughs) Um, The treasures we keep. We always ask our guests in every single episode to bring a treasure that uh, means the most to them and that reminds them the most of home. It could be something very historical in a very folkloric context as well. And it can be any shape or form. We've had already people sing for us read poems, play guitar, uh, even play a little bit of steel band, which was really dope. Um, But I'm very curious, of course, to see what Maxi and what Kenny have uh, brought today. Uh, Maybe one of you wants to go first. Please feel free.
2: Um, Maybe I should start, you know. Um, I don't know whether you've heard of Louise Bennett. She was a Jamaican... Let me see. I wrote it down because she was so many. She was a poet, a writer, an educator, a storyteller, an activist, and a folklorist. Um, she lived from 1919 to died in 2006. And um, Louise Bennett, we grew, I grew up with this woman, and um, she was like this grandma who told stories. She was a storyteller. But she, she, um, uh, value and recognition to the Patois, the language we speak in Jamaica. Um, so all her, her poetry and her books were written in Patois. Um, she wanted the, the, this uh, na- native language to be recognized and um, we owe a lot to, to um, Louis Bennett. We call her Miss Lou. And uh, it's a very charming woman when you uh, sit down and listen to her poetry. Um, and many times I do that when I'm feeling very nostalgic. You know, I, I click onto YouTube and close my eyes and listen to Miss Lou talk, talk of and with humor um, and with just pride of the language itself. Um, and in in her storytelling, she uses a lot of proverbs proverbs that uh, uh, it stems back from Africa, and some of these proverbs you will probably recognize in other Caribbean uh, countries. And in Jamaicans like to speak in, in proverbs. So I, I found a couple of proverbs. Proverbs, <laughs> I will say it first in patois, uh, in, um, and then translate it in English. Uh, First one, dog among doctors, cockroach among shavers, which means children shouldn't meddle in the business of adults. Uh, another one, cold can't cover call, which means two people do not have the resources to help each other. Uh, Look through, try and find out. Dog never runs straight, dog never runs straight which means when a speaker is exaggerating a story. I don't know. Maybe some of these you will probably recognize. Um, uh, tick blanket, make man sleep late. Which means, and an abundance of luxurious, luxurious stuff causes one to become complacent and to take life's blessings for granted. Prouder fret can't pay ouncer debt. Problems are not solved by worrying. The time spent fretting could be more gainfully spent working on solutions. The older the moon, the brighter it shine. Some people grow wiser with age. Eyelash older than beard. We must acknowledge with respect those older and wiser than ourselves. Sweet nanny goat have a running belly. A blunt way of warning someone of temptation. The things that seem good to you now can hurt you later. The sweet looking grass gave the goat diarrhea. (laughs) And uh, the last one. There's so many of them. Uh, let me see. Niam some, left some, Save for tomorrow. <laughs> and it goes on and on. You know, in Patois, Jamaicans love to speak in in proverbs. And Louise Bennett was uh, uh, someone in a storytelling. It was full of, full of proverbs. And that's, it's so beautiful, you know, because it's coming from the, the, our ancestors and it can be recognized in other, you know, in other islands too. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Wow. Maxi, thank you so much. I think it's very special that, um... Anyway, I think it's so special to hear how Patois is pronounced because honestly, that's a language. Of course, there are many Jamaicans who live on Aruba and we have friends in our circle who are from Jamaica. But Patois is such a special and unique language. I've never heard it being spoken so fluently. And those proverbs are really awesome. Really, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Kenny, what's the treasure you bring into the table?
2: Okay, so I
3: actually bought this little booklet that I got from um, a photography exhibition, a fairly recent one by Gilliam, um, and he titled it umbeta okay, You can't see it, but yeah, he titled it umbeta which means um, it's soon; it's gonna be tomorrow. Um, and it's kind. Of, it kind of speaks, and especially his um, exhibition as well, kind of speaks to the resiliency of the islands and um, a certain carefreeness, and also um, just staying tough through hard times. And especially in the context of the pandemic and everything that has happened in the past two years, um, it's it's a saying that says like. Soon as tomorrow, so like we're gonna get past this because it's gonna be like tomorrow soon. Um, and the and the phrasing um has so much meaning to me. Um it really struck a chord with me. Um and it's something that I even forgot that we kind of said. Um, but then it then I, I kind of all came rushing back to me and it means so many things to me. Like, um, especially in the context of like coming to Holland um and already being six years here you know it's like it feels like just yesterday I was boarding that plane and so excited to come here and like feeling like those nine hours were so grueling like waiting for all this on the other side of me but then like suddenly now we're six years in and like it really is so true that um tomorrow is coming way faster than you would ever expect um and I really like it because it also speaks to um, it gives me comfort that knowing that hard times will pass. Um, and yeah, that's why I really treasure this saying and um, why I wanted to share it with you
0: guys today. Thank you, both of you, for sharing that. I had to think about what you said, Maxi, uh, about like the Proverbs like growing up uh, with Surinamese parents, they, especially my dad's side of the family, which is uh, Afro-Surinamese or Creole mixed, and they would use a lot of what they would call in Suriname, odos, which is sort of a proverb, but also was used in music as a way of, um, so dating back to the times of colonialism and slavery as ways of like, talking to people to warn them but also in ways of putting secret messages it's like this resiliency um this resiliency thread within the use of odos and that's what i kind of hear as well in these proverbs um it's like language making language uh for us by us um as a way of celebrating as well but also um having a, a tool to weaponize um, the things that we can only understand uh, if it needs to be weaponized. Um, And I think that's one of the, yeah, that's very interesting, something that I felt resonated with me in a very different cultural sense, but also Caribbean based. And with what you said, Kenny, it's really interesting to me to hear Papiamento in that way. Because in Aruba, the Papiamento is spoken very differently than in Curacao, for example, and obviously in Bonaire. Um, and to me, it just kind of gives like the spectrum, the scope of how uh, one language also, if you think of Creole in um, the Cape Verde Islands, is that you can kind of understand each other, even though it's like a, an ocean away, literally. And in our case with the ABC Islands, um, we're next to each other. But how even that small uh, difference in proximity already makes the language so different. And I wanted to, yeah, I think that's something that reminded me as well as like with this podcast, I I wanted to talk to people who come from different parts of the Caribbean, not only to share personal stories, but also, and that reminded me of it as well as how these colonial structures kind of seep in and obviously can be used for marginalization. But the other side of that coin is that it's also as a spring plunk, like they say in Dutch, it can be used to create a lot of new hybrid tough languages and ways of, you know, like using tools to give our experiences a voice. And um, yeah, that's what it kind of reminded me of what both of you shared. Ava, I don't know if you want to share something.
1: I am, I'm very, very, um, in a way surprised, not surprised, but more like that we all come from different places, but there's still some kind of relation to each and every one of your treasures, even though we come from completely different backgrounds and completely different cultures, some more relatable than other, of course, um, but there's still something that brings us together. And this conversation today, I must say, is actually one of my favorites. Um, because I feel like we kind of touched a base where there is a consensus of understanding how we all feel um, when we talk about the life after and if we go back or not, um, especially when we talk about what we miss and what we mourn uh, the person who we are today and the person who we used to be and the person who we continue to grow into. We change so much, there's so many versions of us. And I feel that every version of us is beautiful. And the fact that we can still go back to that version, even if it's for a very short, maybe short and sweet, or maybe long and still sweet uh, from time to time. Some of us every two years, some of us go as much as possible. Some of us go only for Christmas or however we decide to do that. Um, That the coming and going culture is very much alive in many, many forms. Um, in many shapes. And I'm very happy that today we could share this together because um, if I hear Maxi's experience, that, you know, again, I come back on what she said I've been away. But being away doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be away forever. It's the fact that you can go back to that that makes the experience bittersweet and beautiful. And with Kenny, the same. Uh, you know, Soon there will be another chance. Soon there will be another moment. Soon it will be a new day. Soon it will be yet again a chance to go back home and be together with your family and live that life that you actually grew into before you moved here. Um, It's beautiful to hear and to see and to experience, even though it's only the audio that's going to be exported, but it's especially very beautiful to be able to experience in this form that we're all really living that bit of our lives that constantly changes but there's always that one factor that never changes and it's the one that we can always go back to what we love the most um as difficult and as it it may be from time to time so I have to say that this conversation for me was really one for the books so I really want to thank you both and my co-host of course for for tonight I I, I'm I'm
0: so inspired in a way (laughs) yeah it's It's wild to think we've already done six episodes for this first season um with so 12 people we've talked to because we have had or 13 because with the say less sisters we had Artwell uh and the Say Less Sisters, which were two people. And um so that was great to just talk to all of these different people, the different experiences and Um, I am very glad and happy that we got to do this, um, this year because this project kind of encompassed a big chunk of this year for me and Ava. And, um, I, I see I already, I always knew that it had some kind of significance for people to be talking about this, obviously, because we are not the gatekeepers of these experiences and it has been happening for a long time already, but I do feel like there's an added sense of value in um, having it more out there and different ways that people can listen listen in on these experiences in public spheres or online spheres as well, in this specific case with the podcast. And um, it just kind of really gets me motivated to keep going. Um, and I want to thank everyone who has listened in and who will be listening in. And I wanna obviously thank Maxi and Kenny. Um, I wanna thank the whole team. Uh, I wanna thank, um, yeah, just everyone who also supported us, who aren't maybe who don't even maybe listen in, but they support us in other ways. And um, yeah, I think these conversations are important, and I hope we can keep giving people space to keep talking about these things because it's important to talk about these experiences um, with the, especially with the privileges that we have now to be able to do it in this format. Um, So yeah, I wanna, I think that's it for today. And I wanna thank everyone uh, again for tuning in and our guests and Ava and and the team and um, stay tuned, I would say for season two in 2022. So it's like a two, two, two thing we're absolutely we're absolutely gonna
1: be right back like yes. this is the last episode for this season but we're gonna be right back and i'm excited it's gonna be good yes thank you Bye. Oh. oh my god it's the end we've reached the end of the first season of the by being be right back podcast
0: yeah we did <laughs>
1: Six episodes, so many conversations, so many eye-opening stories, so many roots that we have come to have uh, heard and know. How do you feel about it?
0: <laughs> Whoa, can we do a podcast on that <laughs> or a whole episode on that? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel grateful and um, reflective Um and I feel, yeah, just grateful to be doing this and kind of raw as well, yeah. to be honest. I feel kind of raw about it.
1: Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I think uh, a layer has like been, you know, peeled off. We learn more about ourselves through these conversations that we have from people who come from the same region, but our region is so huge, so many untold narratives that we have no idea that goes on, but has been going on for so long. Um I'm very grateful indeed, as well, that I could have these conversations with these beautiful people, our guests, obviously. Um, and I've learned a lot. I think you have too.
0: yeah, I have. Um I've learned mostly about unconscious patterns that we kind of got like inherited or we still do up until this day, um, that we never really talk about or we kind of talk about it. Um, but we delve very deep into it, you know, like um, really small things. like um, for me, it was I think one of the episodes we talked about, um, being kind of sometimes scared to really enjoy all of the good things when we're back home, in our case, Aruba, because you know it will come to an end in what, two, three weeks, or sometimes a month. And then you kind of start closing down your heart, so to say, after uh, before you leave, like a week before. Um, like those kinds of patterns I became very aware of during our podcast recordings with the different speakers, those kinds of emotional baggages and emotional things that I wasn't really aware of. That's mm-hmm. what I learned the most actually. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think what I've learned the most is that we're we really are a culture. We come and go by being, be right back. It really is a way of living. It really is something that whether we wanted to or not, we still ended up living this lifestyle. Um, Would I change that? No, I wouldn't. Um, I definitely feel that what I've learned the most as well is that my identity is ever growing. Uh, Where I come from and who I am are not the same place, but it definitely roots from there. Um, and that's something that I can definitely, um, carry around now with quite a lot of pride as well, um, from code switching to being able to recognize the different cultures that are coming from our home, beautiful island in the Caribbean, um, having to learn about other cultures from other people and their stories and their dreams and the, the roots that they decided to take on to make the living that they wanted to come true, um, It's all been a beautiful ride.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I feel like it is just the beginning, like season one was just the beginning of these types of conversations. And um, I want to thank for the people who made this possible as well. Obviously, I want to thank you, Ava. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) I want to thank you. Um, I also want to thank myself for like, going through this and opening up because as we mentioned in the other episodes like it was really like confronting sometimes and emotional and it was something we both you and i opened up to do um so you know i wanna i'm grateful that i am at that point that i could do it um i want to thank as well TBC for asking me and then us to do this podcast uh and then I want to thank also Diona, who helped us in the beginning. I want to thank Micah, all of the people from Caribbean Ties. I also want to thank my friend group, um, which is also consists of Rivi, but Rivi is also our transcriber, but shout out to Rivi. And I also want to thank uh, Kenny, obviously, is also in our team, who does the socials. But my friend groups, uh, friend group, who is uh, Ziandra and Asher and Sergio and Andres and Shannon, who always push me forward. I also want to thank Malik and Amal who always push me forward as well and show me the way forward in that sense of what I can do um, to really, you know, move through this landscape. And I just want to thank all of our listeners and people who have come up to us and told us like, hey, I recognize this or hey, this is interesting. I learned a lot. And obviously I want to thank the listeners who will be our listeners in the future. I want to thank them already as well. (laughs) Yeah. And my parents, but I give them a thank you in every episode, I think somewhat. So yeah, that yeah, those are the people I also want to thank. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give huge thanks as
1: well to Rivi, Kenny, um, everybody who's been behind the scenes. Yona has already mentioned the Diona, Micah, TBSI. Um, as well as my group of friends who've always been very supportive of everything that I do um, and have been part of the conversation as well. I've had so many beautiful feedbacks um, from people who could relate to different stories and could definitely relate to certain factors that were brought up during certain episodes. The audience, obviously, we wouldn't have a podcast without an audience. Um, and to be honest, especially the guests, um, from Ernestine, to Maxi, to Kenny, because Kenny's also been a guest. Um, to Jorge, to Lizen, to Jose, to Charissa, to Shanika, to Lisa, to Ardwell. Uh, have I mentioned them all? I think I have.
0: <laughs> Lizan, Jorge, Caitlin, yeah. Caitlin,
1: yeah. Everybody who have shared their treasures and have shared their stories and have been open and vulnerable and have shared something very, uh, you know, precious of themselves. Um, it doesn't come easy for everybody. So really, thank you so much for opening such beautiful doors. Um, and indeed, what Giona said, it's the first of the many. Um, so hopefully, we'll be
0: back with a new season. Yeah, we'll see y'all soon. And we'll be right back with, hopefully, season two. <laughs> be right back.
1: The last thank yous for this episode. I want to thank Guiana Zoizo because... Giona is the founder of this podcast, but also my co-host. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I want to thank TB Side, Diona, Micah, Kenny, Rivi, all of our guests who have been having these beautiful conversations with us. Thank you so much for sharing. I want to thank, obviously, as well, the audience. We wouldn't have a podcast without you. And we hope to see you in season two. This has been Vibing Be Right Back Podcast.
0: Also a big thank you to our team, Caribbean Ties, Museum and Mondrian Fund.